0: This is the Key to Authority Podcast, episode number 56, with guest Katie Wyatt. Welcome to the Key to Authority Podcast, where it is all about helping you unlock the secrets of becoming the go to expert in your industry. And here is your host, Janesh Pandya. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Key to Authority Podcast. This podcast is for you, the speaker, the coach, and helping you unlock the secret behind becoming the go-to expert in your industry, where we interview all different guests from all different topics, all different industries who have becoming authorities in their space and are on their journey and share their learning, share their secrets and Today's interview features one such authority. One of the biggest challenges that speakers and coaches face is converting them swapping their time for money through one on ones and speaking engagements and things like that to creating online courses so that they can not only earn income while they're sleeping or while they're away or doing other stuff, but also start helping people without actually being there for them. Physically or at that particular time. So the person I'm talking today is Katie White. Katie is a business coach, trainer and podcaster who helps passionate wellness entrepreneurs to simplify online business so that they can start making money fast, leverage their time and expertise and also amplify their brand. Katie Wyatt is a fellow podcast instructor. She teaches other people how to start their podcast. And though technically people would think this is us competition, but myself, Katie, and other people in the podcasting industry don't think it's still a small industry. We all can be there and we're there to support each other and it's good to connect with people like that. So I got talking to Katie over Facebook and thought let's bring her along on the show and we can talk about her course, Podwell, that she started from scratch, created it and marketed, has had good success in her own tribe with the wellness entrepreneurs. In this interview, Katie holds nothing back. She shares every single thing that she did in terms of creating a course, how she verified it, how she built a tribe, how she used Facebook ads, how she does webinars, and there's a lot more gold in there. And it's all coming from Katie's real experience side of things also at the end of the podcast she has a very special deal for the key to authority listeners who want to start creating their own online course so listen out to the end for that so without waiting any further here's the interview with katie wyatt hey katie welcome to the key to authority podcast uh found out about you on the facebook group coaches authors entrepreneurs uh, step into the spotlight run by Vanessa Talbot and there we we're talking about podcasting I think someone had a question and just for sharing our love of podcasting I thought we'd connect with each other and try to get you on the show and share some of your experiences with podcasting online courses and you run, have an amazing show the wellness entrepreneur that is part of the wellness College podcast network so a lot of podcasting experience a lot of courses, a lot of business coaching. So I thought, let's connect, let's get you on the show and go from there. So Katie, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's awesome to be here. And yes, it has taken us an awfully long time to do this, but I'm stoked that here we are. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing. It's main thing is you're here and we're on to this. So Katie, what is your definition with how do you define authority and what do you think is the key to authority?
1: Yeah, okay, awesome question. So, look, for me, authority is about being recognised. By your ideal tribe as being an expert or an influencer in your field. So, you know, I know a lot of marketers talk about uh, getting people, um, customers or potential customers along that uh, know, like and trust spectrum. And for me, it's when you really hit that trust end that you are recognised as an authority in your field.
0: And what about the key to authority? What do you think is the key or is there something like that?
1: Look, for me, I really think about it in the way of connecting with your ideal uh, customer or client but with a message that really resonates with them that's either going to solve a problem for them or is going to create some benefit for them that's going to blow their mind. And if you can do that, meet your dream client kind of where they are with the answer to what they need and do it in a way that um, isn't just necessarily one to one, but do it on a, a much bigger scale. And that's why I'm such a fan of podcasting, like you are, because it really does allow you to amplify your message. I think that is a, really the key to getting yourself out there. So, kind of taking your message and your knowledge about what your dream client needs and serving them in a way that can scale. So, whether it's podcasts or online programs or products, it's kind kind of that amplification of your message and brand.
0: And what a great age to live in because with the online side of things happening, we can do that like 10 times more better or faster than what we previously could used to do. So, mm. Katie, then how did you get involved in the whole wellness side of things and ultimately starting the podcast and things like that? Where did you become, where is your story of becoming that authority start?
1: Yeah, so I um I've been in business for my whole career, which uh, you know, is more years than I care to mention at this point, but <laughs> I've worked <laughs> I've worked in big business, corporate management consulting, that type of thing. And I always had this inkling in the back of my mind that I wanted to have a go at starting my own business. I just could feel that little entrepreneurial fire inside, but never really had the guts because I think you know, a lot of entrepreneurs. Who grow up with parents who are entrepreneurs or friends who are entrepreneurs kind of get that fire earlier or that confidence. I didn't have that. It took me quite a while. And then I had a sort of personal, I suppose, you know, one of those moments in life, those crossroads when I had cancer. And that really set me on a path. Uh, of wellness. And I got really, really interested and passionate about wellness. I've trained to be a health coach. It's, you know, something that I just love. And I'm on a, a, a permanent journey to um, be well and find um, my perfect wellness I suppose, state, and I that was kind of also the time that I thought, well, you know, you're kind of here for a, a short time, it's not forever, and so you've got to try different things. And so I started actually a food business selling superfoods, um, which was heaps of fun but definitely not the right business model for me, but as I'm sure you know, sometimes you just have to start in order to learn. <laughs> yeah, so then I um I realised that all you know my background in business was quite unique, and I was giving people a lot of advice around marketing and business, and I just loved talking online marketing. And so I moved into podcasting and then started business coaching, and here we are.
0: An awesome story. In terms of, if you don't mind me about the cancer side of things, like Mm. is that have you beaten that or what's this thing? Because don't want to get too personal, but it's got me a bit curious now.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've had it twice, um and I've beaten it. Well, both times. So yeah, all signs are good, and you know I'm definitely here for the long haul.
0: (laughs) Congratulations, and we need you. (laughs) Thank you. All the wellness (laughs) entrepreneurs out there need you because I've listened to some of your interviews and stuff you talk about on your podcast the wellness entrepreneur it's amazing so keep on fighting and that's awesome so question I have is what made you switch that what made you decide because like as I talked to you earlier on I'm still at the full-time job where I'm planning to maybe do a, full, do a transition to the business so what made you switch from your job to your first business and to this ultimately
1: well, actually, I'm still in my job. I, um, I've i done all of this on the side. I call myself a bit of a side hustler. <laughs> um, and yeah, I actually love my job. I have my absolute dream job and it's taken me my whole career to find it. And it I also work with entrepreneurs in my day job. It's just a, a social entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs that are really starting businesses in order to solve a social problem. And so That is a dream job for me. I really enjoy that work. And on the side, I am building a business. So I definitely, you know, I I think about that transition a lot and I know that I will make it at some point, but it will be for me, I think it'll be a staged transition. And it's something that I recommend to lots of entrepreneurs as well. Is you sometimes and I see this a lot in the wellness community, people just want to just throw in the day job because they're probably hating it and make money instantly and replace that income from their business. And I think that can put a lot of pressure on people. And suddenly you find yourself selling or marketing from a place of desperation rather than a place of service or generosity or, or love, you know, all of those things. So I actually think a stage transition can work really well for some people. And it sounds like that's kind of a bit what you're doing, is it? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. it's that's the plan because i've had a thought of this for quite a bit i'm like i should just throw in everything but it's similar to you i love what i'm doing at the job i love the challenges it creates so there's nothing to do with entrepreneurship but it's about problem solving so kind of similar stuff but that's the thing so people have asked advice that they the same thing is like having a stage approach think about it carefully and think with a cool head rather than go all in but again sometimes go go all in approach works for quite a bit of people so whatever works for what person for us I guess it's that stage approach yeah yeah so what have you done in terms of then the side business like I know you've been creating the course and thing and that's what I'm looking at so is that the stage approach what you're looking at to create a course and then go from there and then build on top of that
1: yeah, well, I um, I work with people one-on-one, so that's how I started, was really coaching and consulting with people one-on-one. And I think that's a, a really good way to start because it does teach you a lot about your target market and exactly what they need, what works for them, and so on. And then because my background in management consulting and, and corporate is in the learning and development space. I have a background in building programs and courses that, you know, really achieve a learning outcome. So it was very natural for me to move into building a course after I'd been teaching podcasting for a while. I developed a course, um, which is, you know, running for the second time and I'm already getting antsy and wanting to change it all up (laughs) and redo it. (laughs) Um, But I love that type of work, like sitting down and thinking about Content design and creation is definitely uh, my happy place. I'll never give up the one-on-one and I also work with people in small group masterminds and I love that variety.
0: Yep. And that's the thing and that's what we want to talk about today is that online course because we had Sarah in earlier on and we went quite in depth about how to create that course and change the person services into products and put it online and things like that. But unfortunately, we ran out of time. That was like an hour and 20 minutes already in terms of talking about marketing or launching and things. So let's pick your brains about that side of things. And obviously, it ties into creating a course and we'll run into similar things. But let's comment at that a different approach. So Katie, what is the key to marketing an online course successfully?
1: Hmm. So for me, and that was a great episode, by the way. Um, so it's definitely, I definitely recommend your listeners to go back and listen to that one. But for me, um, creating or launching or marketing an online course, it actually starts before you even develop it. And that's around knowing what your expertise is and finding a place where that meets market demand, because it is no point creating something that nobody wants or that nobody's going to buy. So that's definitely um, the key to starting to think about selling an online course. Hmm.
0: So tell me a bit more about that in terms of Why do you have to focus on that instead of just go, here's my product, buy it?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you could go, here's my product, buy it, but you'll probably spend a lot of time without actually knowing if it's going to pay off until it's out there. So, I mean, there's lots of ways that you can test whether there is a market need for what you know, your concept is. So it might be that you work one-on-one with people in this space already. So you're already selling the the solution or the process or the outcome. You're just doing it in a one-to-one basis. And so the next step is to kind of convert that into a one-to-many model. Um, but there's other ways like there's, you know, you can do things like go on to Udemy, the um, online course course platform and just search the topic that your course would be about and see how many courses come up what people are paying for them how popular they are because i think you know lots of people are always wanting to find that unique idea that nobody else is doing but that can often mean it's no one's doing it because there's no one wants it so i think it's really good to see you know is is there lots of activity in this area like i mean i'm sure you know teaching podcasting a few years ago there was nothing um, around like I had to teach myself there was really not a whole lot around to learn but you know a few early adopters went into the market and now there's a lot more people who are teaching it i still don't think it's a flooded market by any means but you know it's it's just kind of looking around at what's out there and um and the proof that the best proof is if you've already sold that solution so if people are willing to pay you one-on-one to teach them then there's very likely to be a market for an online course
0: and is that what you did? So for the listeners, like Katie also teaches podcasting and her course is called Podwell. And if you want to find out more, you can go to wellnessentrepreneur.com.au and there's details over there. So how did you go about doing that for Podwell when you created that course? Was that through the one-on-ones or something else you had tried?
1: Yeah, it was 100% through the one-on-ones and that was just, it was actually more by accident. I just (laughs) found that um, I'd started a podcast and I think, People were kind of going, oh, like I'm interested in that, but it seems so difficult or unknown. So they were asking me questions and I just realised very quickly that in the groups that I was frequenting, which most of them are kind of online Facebook groups, I was getting asked a lot of questions. And so... I just put the odd offer out, you know, I'll do a one-on-one session with you. We can talk about your podcast and plan it. And it was just selling out every single time I did it. And I was having so much fun doing those sessions that I was like, okay, I can totally turn this into something more um, structured because it is such a structured process to start a podcast and, you know, sell that to more people at a more affordable price than just buying hours of my time. Yeah, okay.
0: And then in terms of, so you talked about the one-on-ones, then what about the marketing side of the things? Like now we've already talked about what you need to do before you even start creating the course. So when you create the course, obviously it has to be good. If not, people will refund you. So what's that aspect? Well, maybe we could cover a little bit in that and then go into the whole launch sequence and what you should be doing and how you should be doing kind of things.
1: Yeah, sure. So when I did decide to start the course, what I i mean, I took very much a learning design approach to it. And I would recommend that others do that too. And the first question there is to really think about what is the outcome that I'm delivering with this course. And for me, it was to start and launch a podcast. And that's a pretty singular and focused outcome. And I think the the best courses do have a really single, clear, promise behind them because the minute you start adding other elements to it or other promises I think the message gets lost whereas people just want a really clear solution to a problem so for me it's always starting at that point of knowing what you're going to deliver and then actually delivering on that promise because if you don't deliver on that outcome as as you say you know you're people might buy at once but word will spread and no you know people will either want their money back or they won't finish the course they won't get any outcomes you won't get any testimonials and that will kind of prevent you from selling it anymore. So it's definitely, it's not just about selling a promise, it's also about delivering on that promise. And I think then as well, like when you're actually building your course, thinking really, really carefully about how you structure your course, you know, how many modules are you going to have, how are you going to appeal to different learning styles, really making sure that you understand that well my ideal client is somebody that wants to consume audios rather than videos or they want to have an option to read transcripts rather than having to listen to everything. So catering to different learning styles I think can be important and a real added value because I find a lot of courses at the moment will just deliver things via video for example and if you're not into video then that kind of knocks out a whole segment of the population who don't learn in that way so being conscious that everyone learns differently I think is important to delivering on the promise of your course and then when you're structuring modules so getting down into the detail thinking about, well, um, you know, in each module, how are you getting, how are you delivering the content, first of all, and bringing in lots of really great examples or case studies is really important, making sure your content is meeting your your dream participant, course participant, where their level of knowledge is at um, and, you know, not making it overly simple or not making it overly complex really just remembering the promise of your course and the outcome of your course Um, and then it's getting learners to practice uh, putting into place the the things that you've taught them is really the most effective way to make sure that people are kind of taking on that content and uh, it's sort of sinking in and staying there.
0: And what was one of the biggest challenges or lessons you learned while doing that for the course?
1: Mm, Oh, good question. I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned and it's probably going to impact some of the changes I make to my course the next time I run it was I fell into that trap. You know, I talked earlier about having that really singular focus and mine was to start and launch a podcast. But I was so, you know, I want to over deliver, I want to make sure it's so full of value. And I put all of my knowledge into the course that I actually took the course further, like it, it went to launch, but it also went to how do you promote and grow the podcast? And how do you grow your business off the back of that podcast? And that was kind of I think in retrospect, it was unnecessary um, and it was also just it was it was providing content to an audience that weren't ready yet. They hadn't even launched their podcast yet, and I was talking to them about growing their audience. so now I think moving forward, what I'll do is take my own advice and actually split the course into two because the people that want to know how to grow their business and their podcast audience, they're already podcasting. so I need to recognize who my tribe are, who my target market are, and serve them with that one singular focus.
0: Yeah, then that's been a common theme in terms of quite a few interviews we've done where it's about focusing on that audience or focusing on that one thing. And there's a really great book, I don't know if you've come across, called The One Thing. Mm. And I love that. And it talks about that is like, focus on that and then move on to the next and move on to the next. And that's what I'm working on on myself. I'm like, cause I get those like, Oh, I should over deliver. I should add this. I should add that. And then I'm like, what the hell? There's a lot of stuff in here <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. But so Katie, okay. So now we've created the content uh, for the course. So now we get into the marketing things. So how does that side of things work? Do you start planning after you've created it or is there a pre-launch or a launch? And what are the details involved in that side?
1: Mm, So for me, I actually started selling the course before I had finished creating it. And it's, it's not necessarily something I'd recommend for everyone. I think. A certain personality type, this will suit fine, and other personality types, it will just create a level of stress that <laughs> you don't want to bring into your life. Um, so I basically I'd done the full design and I knew exactly what the course was going to look like. I just hadn't built all the modules. I think I'd built maybe two two or three of them. And I decided to sell it as a pilot. I did, you know, very much pilot pricing because I just wanted to test the process and that sold sold out pretty quickly and that really kind of gave me so for people that do think about selling before they develop, that can be the ultimate test, because you can see if people are willing to hand over money, which is always a much better test than telling you they would hand over money. And it gives you, you know, a little bit of cash flow and motivation and momentum for then developing the rest of the content. Uh, But, you know, again, it does create um, stress. So, I definitely, if you're not the type of person that responds well to pressure, whereas I'm a bit of a deadline junkie, uh, <laughs> then don't do that. <laughs> uh, but look, I would recommend with any launch, and you know, this is the second time I'm running Podwell, so I've spent a lot more time strategizing the launch because I didn't have as much content to create, I was kind of pretty much running the same thing, just adding a few bits, Uh, I really gave myself a good six to eight weeks to think about launching and what would go into that launch. And for me, you know, what I've really started with this time around is list building before selling. And I didn't do that the first time around with my pilot. And I think, you know, the distinction is interesting to talk about. The first time I ran it, I knew it was a pilot and I just Wanted to, I wanted a small group to go through it, and I felt like I would probably find that group within my existing community. And my community at that time was tiny, my list was tiny, uh, but I think about 13% of my list bought the pilot almost even before I started selling it. So I knew, you know, I kind of had this captive market ready to go. However, the second time, because, you know, a lot of my network had therefore bought it, there was no way that I was going to expect that 13% of my list would buy this course. So what I wanted to do was really put some focus and even some cash this time, because I didn't spend any money on advertising the first time. So I wanted to put cash into uh, Facebook ads specifically this time to build my list and it felt to me like a good time to do it because I knew the you know the free opt-ins that would get people to sign up to my list so I just had to use advertising spend to drive money to get that opt-in and um, you know that's kind of what's probably the, fo- the primary focus of the first two to three weeks of my launch was just building my list with people that were qualified as interested in podcasting.
0: Okay. So before we get into that, because I'm I'm quite interested in that whole process from what you learned about the first launch and now implementing the second, uh, to do that pre launcher where you sold the initial pilot copies, what kind of marketing did you do there? Is Did you do webinars or just Facebook posts or things like that? What was involved in there? Because you mentioned you had a very small community at that time with small people and small number of people on your list. So how did he go about that initial bit anyways to start with?
1: Mm, so, for me at the time, the majority of my business was coming either via the, the podcast or through Facebook groups. Um, I probably... I would say I would get a larger number of clients through Facebook groups, but the podcast would bring me higher value clients. So I don't know, I don't know if that's a pattern. Um, It's sort of proved to be true so far, but you know, whether that continues. So basically, I, you know, because I do do a lot of marketing in Facebook groups, I have my own group, but I'm also an active member of probably a good 15 to 20 groups. I was very, very much talking about podcasting. So if I wrote a blog post, part- Blog post. It was about podcasting. If I uh, did a, I did a series of podcast episodes during the launch that were about podcasting. So I shared my own story, but I also interviewed uh, two really awesome podcasters. One of them I think has been on your show, um, Adam Franklin from Blue Wire Media. Yep. <laughs> um, who I mean that they have, they're on every platform, but they have been doing. You know, they run a particularly successful podcast and I also interviewed a really big business podcaster in the wellness space. Um, So what I just made sure that I was kind of, you know, talking my talk on all my platforms and in the Facebook groups because, I mean, I don't know how much you talk about Facebook groups on the show, but the types of groups I'm in, it's very much network relationship building type groups. So while you might have promotional days where you can sell whatever you're selling, on the other days it's really important to be building your authority and being known for your thing whatever that is um, because you're being helpful whenever that topic comes up and you want to get to the point where if somebody in a group somewhere asks a question about your thing you get tagged And that happens to me whenever podcasting comes up in most of the groups I'm in, I get tagged. And that's because I've done an awful lot of networking and helping and just giving my value for free and people now know me for that thing.
0: That's awesome. And that's the thing Like, because normally when I talk to people about creating a course and stuff, they forget about all this stuff that you just talked about in terms of, helping people out and giving that value without getting asking for anything in return. And then they expect when they launch their course to make (laughs) a million (laughs) dollars. So, Katie, now in terms of the pre-launch you got that, you launched the first time, you learned those lessons you were talking about. So now the nitty-gritty of that thing, of the second launch. So you said the biggest thing you learned was you wanted to implement was the Facebook advertising side of things. So what... Is there anything else you learned you were trying to implement in the second launch, or was that the biggest change you were doing at the moment?
1: Uh, no. Oh, I learned so many things. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely, there's heaps. So uh, another thing that I've learned and implemented, I suppose, is when I did the launch the first time around, I was talking a lot about podcasting, so how to podcast or how to pitch a podcast or um you know, things that were very much around how to do X using a podcast, whereas this time around I went really much harder on the benefits. So I might create an epic blog post with, you know, an opt-in embedded into it, but instead of being, you know, here are my 10 lessons about podcasting, it'll be about how to build a really engaged tribe And then, you know, because then the kind of thing is, well, and if you want to do that using podcasting, then click over here because I've got a really awesome freebie for you. So for me, I got much better at thinking about and marketing the business benefits of having a podcast and thinking about how to build benefit in people's minds, whether they choose podcasting or something else, because podcasting is just the tool to grow our businesses, there's a lot of tools to grow our businesses. So for me, it was kind of up-leveling the conversation that I was driving about podcasting was one of those learnings and that I've implemented. And then the other thing, I did do a webinar in my first launch that I sort of got off track, so I didn't mention it. I did a webinar, um, and then this launch, I'm doing two webinars. And so the first webinar was very much around how to use a podcast to grow your brand. But then what I'm doing for my second webinar, and this was another learning because the thing that always caught me out was I kept thinking, well, the people that sign up to my webinar, they're not going to have a podcast. So they're all going to want to know how to do it the kind of, you know, step by step. And I was delivering that in the webinars. But what I realized was that I actually needed to create a webinar that assumed people were or had already decided to create a podcast so that I could add a whole new layer of value within that webinar and actually just start talking to them about their podcast because it was happening. And so I'm, I'm still to run that webinar that's happening in a couple of weeks time, but I'm really excited excited about it because it was a real mindset shift for me as a um, you know as someone marketing something of again meeting my tribe not just where they're at but where they aspire to be and then running with them from that point Ah, that's
0: awesome so I've got webinars I've got Facebook ads and list building that that's your main three things that you're doing differently
1: Yeah, definitely. I I did really want to use some joint venture partnerships this time around, and I am using some affiliate marketing. So some of my alumni are coming on as affiliates. I've got some of my guest trainers coming on as affiliates. But what I really wanted to try out, and this was more for curiosity than anything else, (laughs) was a joint venture. So where I might go to somebody, and, and particularly I was thinking Thinking about somebody overseas because my audience, I don't know if your yours is like this, Janish, but my audience is very primarily Australian at this point and I was quite keen to get a more global audience through this launch. It's one of my metrics for myself. And so I thought, you know, I, what I'd love to do is find someone that's got a similar target market but is not offering what I offer but could see the value in bringing that offer to their list and I wanted to kind of try the strategy of offering an exclusive webinar. I'd left it a bit late. So while I had a lot of people interested, the timeline hasn't worked. So I've kind of now realised, well, I've started those discussions and I'll probably try that on the next launch. Um, But, you know, other opportunities have come out from those discussions, which I, you know, could never expected. Like now I've been invited to be the podcast expert on somebody else's signature program Uh, so you know I think any type of collaboration relationship building to expand your reach I mean that stuff really appeals to me and gets me going so I definitely will do more of that although it kind of I have not doing as much of it this time.
0: I love how you think and I'm like, that's why, I think that's why we connected on Facebook. <laughs> We're talking right now because it's similar to chain of thoughts and similar thinking. And yeah, like the affiliate side of things, as you mentioned, the joint venture. So that's really, really awesome. But so in terms of structuring this, because you mentioned the timeline. So how have you structured all this? Like what's the timeline? What does your timeline look like? And where does it go fall into?
1: Yeah, so I've given myself about eight weeks for this launch, which feels quite luxurious because I think the first time around, I only gave myself about five. And, you know, as I said, I spent probably the first two weeks, I've pretty much run Facebook ads every single week so far. I'm in week six now, and I've um, spent the first two weeks just focusing on Facebook ads. Then I spent a week promoting the webinar and to my list and in Facebook groups and um, on, you know, all my social media. And then so that was right before early bird. I forgot to say I did do an early bird um, cart close so that, you know, to try and drive um, numbers in before the price went up. Um, And now I'm in the full price Component of the cart, I guess you'd say. And I've got another webinar in all oh, 10 days. So now all I'm doing is promoting that webinar. Again, you know, it's a lot easier to promote something free. Um, I'll drive some ads to the webinar and um, promote it to my list, and we'll see how we go in a couple of weeks' time. And then the cart will close not long after the webinar within about three days. I wouldn't leave it any longer than three days between a webinar and closing your cart or increasing your price, whatever you're you're doing. Um, and, yeah, then it'll be done and we'll kick off the course a week after that.
0: Awesome. And so basically this is like a closed launch kind of thing and it happens timely either three months or six months because you mentioned first launch, the second one that's happening now and the third one afterwards. So, yeah. Uh, then in terms of, like, I love the timeline where you've uh, segmented it and driving. So question I had was, what was the Facebook ads going towards? Is that that list building offer or was it solely focused on webinars and then the webinar takes you to the course?
1: Yeah, so I have tried a couple of different things. The thing that has converted the best is definitely driving people to a free opt-in, which is literally just a download, a one-page that lays out the whole podcasting process, because, I mean, it's a real newbie offer. It's for someone that, you know, and this is a lot of my audience is at this point where they're like, I like the idea of it, but I have no idea how you get from go to having a podcast. (laughs) So, and so the one pager is such an you know, it's a much easier conversion because it's really no skin off my nose to put my email in and get the one pager and I'm done. The webinar I have, you know, I've tried a few different things. I've had the, the sign up page. Once you'd sign up for the the download. I've had the thank you page having the webinar sign up on it, which um, did okay. That was, but I didn't, I just didn't give it enough time um, because it was kind of just something I went, oh, I might try that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the fun of launching, right, is you can try all these different things. Um, I did do some ads to the webinar right towards, you know, as the date was getting really close. I wouldn't run ads to a webinar that's still got two weeks until it runs because people would Just forget who you are and what they signed up for. And I think signing up, getting a sign up to a webinar through Facebook ads is harder because it is a bigger commitment to, you know, even if it's free, it's still a time commitment. So I find the webinar conversions better to people that are already on my list and they're a warmer lead because they've, you know, signed up for the podcast plan, for example, and then I had a Beautiful email auto responder series that took them through a really nice nurturing sequence, giving them more value, making sure they kind of knew a little bit more about me. And I think I gave. you know, a really good tip. I gave them another free product, two free products um, in that email sequence. So by the time they got to the end of it, they were like, oh, you know, look at all the value I'm getting for free. Um, I wonder what's in the paid thing. And that's kind of my intent with everything I create.
0: That is awesome. And I love how you think about that. And this must have taken you a lot of time to think, and all learning. And that's the whole experience of the whole entrepreneur journey. So, Katie, wrapping this up, where did you learn the whole launching and everything, creating a course and all that? Um, whom do you look up to in terms of this space?
1: Oh, look, I just love uh, Amy Porterfield. Um, she she has the most amazing podcast um, everything that she creates I just find is so full of value she is someone that says you know don't leave anything on the table give all your great stuff for free um, because it will serve you in the long run and I really agree with that so I I love Amy who's probably you know kind of the big name that I follow and then someone that might not be as well known is Taylor um, Tash Corbin, who is my current business coach, who also teaches um, launching and, you know, a beautiful kind of launching process. So, yeah, they're probably the two.
0: That's awesome. That's really, really great. And, yeah, I love Amy's work and I'll have a look at Tash's work as well because I haven't heard of him, but as you mentioned, it's like people, some people are gems in their own and they're really hidden, they're the hidden gems. So I'll have a look for sure at Tash's work. So. Now, wrapping all this up, so you've got all the plans, everything's happening. Uh, any other things you're planning to try out for your third launch?
1: Oh, well, do you know, I may actually switch part of, if I break the course up, I may actually transition this to an evergreen course. So, you know, we talked before about this is a timed launch. I launch it a couple of times a year. So the launch process is huge because it's, you know, all about closing the doors to something. Whereas the evergreen, it will, you know, the price will probably change, what's included will probably change and it will be something that's available all the time so that will be a completely different launch process <laughs> for me so i have to come back and tell you all about that one <laughs> oh, absolutely
0: we'll keep an eye out on that then maybe down the track we'll get you back on the show so katie one question uh, then what's the one action that our listener today can take in terms of marketing their course and getting it to a launch success
1: yeah look i think For me, the best action that you can take is just to listen to your tribe. So whether it's you know, asking to do some market research interviews or even if it's just posting some questions on your Facebook page or in an email to just really get to know your people and what they want and what they want from you a bit better. Because if you start in that place of my ears are opening and I'm here to serve, I think you're going to have a much better chance of building something successful.
0: Awesome. So where can people find about you, your podcast, and the course?
1: Yeah, so if you go to my website, which is just thewellnessentrepreneur.com.au, you can find links to my course and my blog and my podcast. And I I also have a little online product where I basically deliver in an online workshop how to build an online course that sells, that comes with a workbook an e-book and some course module templates that I use to create my online courses. I'm happy to do a special discount on that for your tribe if you want, Jen. Should I tell you the link or do you want me to just put it in your show notes?
0: That would be awesome. You can tell me the link and I'll put it in the show notes as well.
1: Awesome. So it's entrepreneur.com.au forward slash e-course sneaky and that uh, online product it normally sells for $97, but for your pates, Jen, she can have it for $47 Australian.
0: Awesome. And then if people are listening in the US, like that's like coffee money for you guys. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so, absolutely. I'll post, I'll put that link uh, on the show notes and I really appreciate you sharing that discount because, as I mentioned, it is about giving value and it is about sharing what you know and giving as much as you can, if that makes you feel like you're giving too much and then giving a little bit more. That's what I've heard from Michael Port and I love that. So Katie, thanks a lot. Any last words you would like to share with us?
1: Oh, look, I don't think so. I just want to say thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm glad we finally connected. And for to your listeners, I think you're listening to a really great podcast. And if you are looking to grow your authority, an e-course is a great way to do it.
0: Thanks a lot, Katie. And again, really appreciate it. And yes, as you mentioned, finally we had a great chat and I loved every single bit of it. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to implement quite a bit of things you were talking about as well. So thanks a lot. Really, really appreciate it. And we'll probably have you back on the show after your third launch. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. How much gold was that in that particular interview? Katie shared everything she had done, the mistakes she had made, what she had learned and what she's going to change hereafter in terms of building that course and developing it further. The biggest lesson for me has been that make sure you take action it doesn't need everything doesn't need to be perfect just do it Continuous doing it then look at look back what has worked what hasn't and change what hasn't and try something different so love katie how she has developed from her two three different launches and now she's launched podwell as a full evergreen course so make sure you check that out Also, make sure you check out Katie's special offer regards the e-course. It's all available at the show notes at keytoauthority.com slash EP056, that is EP056. So check all that out and implement, start putting stuff into action. If you're thinking of developing an online course, try it out, put it out, ask your tribe what they want, what they need, and even go about pre-selling so that you can validate this market and people are ready to pay money for it. Go out there, get it done, and keep me posted on the progress of it. This is it for me. I'm your host, Janish Pandya, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.